or a vest or something and be nice and warm. And I finally found something to put on. And then Alicia came up and gave her testimony and she was there sleeveless. And I thought, oh, I can't be weak. <laughs> I'll go up and I'll, I'll have the sleeves. And um, for everyone travelling interstate who's come up to Queensland, I hope you're enjoying this pitch-perfect warm weather that we've put on for you. I hope it's been good. Okay. For those who don't know me, uh, my name's Brother Mitchell from Brisbane, and the little blurb that I gave uh, on the ministry page was about the church, uh, which is what we are. And for those who don't know this already, the church isn't actually just a building. You can refer to a building as a church, but a church is God's people. And it's probably a term that's more coined or used in New Testament, but it's actually something that's been around since the beginning of creation. It's actually what Brother Actual talked about last night. So what I want to kind of talk about today is bring out some thoughts about what the church actually is and why God designed it as this unit for us to be a part of and what we get out of it. So the first scripture we're going to have a look at is in Acts, Acts 2, verse 43. And it's the formation after they'd all gathered on the day of Pentecost and they'd all received and entered into this new covenant and new agreement to be a part of this family of God just what everyone was doing. But before then, I just want to bring out some thoughts, kind of how we're going to guide. So what I want to kind of talk about is picture people at the Olympics and you have people all competing, whether it's in different events. And when you're there in that environment, um, all people with like-minded there, there's this, um, this pressure or this competitive nature to actually do better. And some of the best records physically for, for um, the world for running and swimming and things are actually set at the Olympics. And you can imagine how much adrenaline and pressure is going on. You've, you've made it, you're the best of the best, and here you are in this environment competing. And some of the best records are actually set when you're a part of this environment. And what I want to kind of bring out the thoughts today is that the church, in the same way, actually has this spiritual competitive nature, or probably to term it better, because sometimes competitive can be have negative connotations, it can be spiritual pressure or spiritual encouragement to actually develop and grow and take on things like guidance in our life towards the Lord in our relationship. And when we're in that environment with like-minded people in this, in this family unit of God, that's actually where a lot of the blessing and development and growth actually happens. So you know, whether you have hobbies and you're into music or you're into sport and you're in this sort of club, you know, you go there, you're a part of that and that's how you you grow and develop in that mindset or whether it's something probably more, you know, you're in, into baking or you're into gardening or maybe you like Aussie rules or things like that, that's all good as well. But when you become a part of a culture and environment, that's actually where you grow and the spiritual principle is um, you reap what you sow and this whole idea of family and what God would have us to be a part of is actually putting as much as we can into it to maximise the blessings that we actually get out of it. So, and the scripture that I think I kind of mentioned was Proverbs 27, 17, and just this principle of iron sharpens iron. And when you're with like-minded people, it's actually where you start to see some of this growth because you rub off one with another and you encourage each other. So Acts 2, and from verse 43. So this is actually the start and the growing of the church and people had come and about 3,000 people had received is what uh, it says. I'm just going to read from verse 40 here. 
And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, being Peter, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptised. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done with the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. And just these people that had come out of this, um, like you heard this morning from Sister Ashley's testimony, she came out of this world of just all this negative influence and not knowing what the right thing to do was. And then she came in and she um, was able to see what was on offer. And just these people here, they had that same experience and they came and then they gave and they contributed and they actually, a large portion of their life they made and invested in this church and God's family. And that's the attitude that they had from day one. And you just read at the end there that the Lord actually blessed them accordingly to the things that they put in and actually what they got back out of it. And just that attitude that we can have um, with our approach to actually being a part of this family that God has designed for us whether it's we're struggling with things out in the world, we can actually come and be a part of this unit and actually take blessing from it and encouragement. So next scripture we're going to have a look at is in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. I should have brought my water up because I've got a dry mouth and it sounds like I have a lisp. 1 Corinthians. Oh, thank you. Where would I be without you? Very good. But, um, so 1 Corinthians 15 and from verse 33. But before we read that, I just want to bring out this point that actual, Axel actually talked about um, last night and he brought out these thoughts about the garden. Initially, when God created the world, he actually had this place or this, these boundaries and parameters for his people to be that was safe and actually um, without any uh, ex exterior or outside influence to actually come in and affect his people and that's actually been God's plan for his people throughout the whole history of the Bible and you have things like Noah's Ark, you have the people of Israel, you have the promised land and just throughout all of scripture and even today and for us that's God's nature for us is actually to, to deliver us from this world and to keep us in this place of safety and this place of blessing which is his church and his family and just these thoughts that Axel brought out about Adam and Eve and just the choices that they made is actually what brought them outside of that environment that God would have them to be in. And that's when the negative influence started coming in and just you can see with his, uh, the nation of Israel and we won't go through every scripture in the Old Testament but just time and time again they had this pattern of coming into this place of God's blessing and then leaving it and just the Lord forever having to deliver them. And then we have a similar position now but we know when the Lord comes and delivers us he's going to send his son and there'll be no more negative or worldly influence it'll all be done away with so the next point we're going to talk about is actually the worldly influence that can come into our lives so 1st Corinthians 15 verse 33 and everyone's probably turned to it by me 15:33. very commonly read scripture do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. 
Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. And just Paul here talking to the Corinthian church and saying, when you allow some of these things to creep into your life, it can actually start leading you astray. And this is actually what Guy and uh, Pastor Russ talked about yesterday in their workshops, is when you actually have these influences in the world, it can start to become part of who you think you are and who the Lord has actually planned for you to be. And it can start taking you down the wrong path and get caught up in a whole lot of things. But just the power of actually having positive influence and being a part of the church in our life and actually getting to many, as many meetings and as much fellowship as you can because you're never going to miss out or you're never going to feel like you're missing out on something in the world when you come and you be a part of what God has to give you. And Norton kind of talked on it last night um, but just the parable of the rich young ruler. And sometimes in our walk and our approach with the Lord, we can feel like we're doing everything right and we're getting to meetings and we're praying, but we're just not in a good spot. And Norton, he brought out this thought that sometimes there's all this bracker and noise in our life and it just gets caught up with our spiritual life and you're kind of conflicted between the two. And if you want to turn to it, it's in Matthew 19, but I'm just going to paraphrase and this rich young fellow came up to Jesus and he said, um, there's something that I lack. And even though I've kept all the commandments and I'm a, I'm a good young fellow and I've done what is asked of me, I still feel like there's something in my life that's missing or that I'm doing wrong. And Jesus just simply said to him, the thing that you lack, it must be something physical. So everything that you have in your life, go and sell it, get rid of it. Because if there's something in your life that's a negative influence, it's not from the Lord and it's not from the church, and it's something from your physical life that's brought in that you haven't cut off yet, or maybe it still actually has a hold on you. And Jesus just said, get rid of it and come and follow me. And as much as you can, just this principle of developing and growing is getting from this initial point of starting off coming along to fellowship, and you're slowly, um, and how the, the Bible kind of terminology is pruning the vines, and as you grow and develop and as the Lord teaches and shows and reveals things to you, he cuts off this dead wood and all these worldly influences that come into us and actually take us away from him. And there's Paul's encouragement there to actually be a part of this family because when you're in this environment that's safe and full of blessings, that's where it's all going down, that's where it's all happening, not out in the world. Luke 15. And verse 11. So the parable of the lost son. So just to set some context... For those who aren't sure of this parable here, um, there's three parables that Jesus is actually bringing forward and it's about people that are lost. Whether it's people in the church that have gone out and they're doing their own thing, caught up in worldly influence, or just people in the world who just haven't known what the Lord has for them. He's given a parable here of the lost son with someone who's come and they're actually in this family of God and they've gone out into the world to find something better and just, just the response that they have and what they find. So, from verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, 
Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all uh, together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent to him in his fields to feed swine. And he will gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. And just very similar to the rich young ruler who thought that he had everything and he was doing it right by the Lord, but he still felt something missing. And he just thought, you know, what is it that that I don't have? And we'll just read on in verse 17 here. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. And just this parable or principle here that he, when he was in this point, where he was in the world, and Guy equally shared this in his testimony, is when his brother came and spoke to him and he got to this point and he had this conviction or revelation where he realised that the decision that he had to make and what the choices were. And ultimately what it came down to was being a part of God's people and actually having this inheritance and salvation and being in this place where there's blessing and there's overcoming and there's healing and all these wonderful things that the Lord has prepared for us or there's the world. And just these these thoughts that this man's having here as he's sitting there probably amongst the pigs and he's just thinking to himself, even the people who are the least in the church, least, if you were to term it that way, have more than anything that the world has to offer. And he just thought he went out and he's partying and he's, he's, he went and he partook of the best that the world had to offer and it just didn't compare to anything that the Lord had to give him. And then you read on and you know that he came back. He came back into, um, ran home, he gave up everything and he came back to the church, to the fellowship, to his father. And he's just there, um, ready and willing to take him back. And that's the same for us, all the people that are lost. The Lord's just there willing to take you back and to give you blessings and there are things there waiting for us that the Lord wants to give to us and teach us and we just got to weigh it up in our hearts and in our minds what, what's really worth it. Rightio. Lockie's given me the three minutes so I've got to start wrapping it up. Quickly, Jeremiah 29 and verse 10. Two more scriptures, two more scriptures. 29 and verse 10. And I just want to parallel this with, with us. And I know, so you have Isaiah, Jeremiah and Daniel in the Old Testament are actually books of prophecy. And they ring true and ring parallel between what was happening then and what was happening now. And just similar to this, in verse 10 we read, For thus says the Lord God, After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Um, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me and, uh, when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I have caused you to be carried away captive." So probably just two points I think that I brought out before that God's a deliverer of his people and even since the beginning of time that's been his nature for us 
And whenever we're in trouble and the nature that he wants us to have in the attitude is just to come back to him and let him help us through whatever we're going through. And the second part is the relevance to the whole theme that we have here at Camp is Home and the promise that the Lord had for these people, um, the Israelite people that were captured by Babylon. He said, I know that you're in a tricky spot, but hang tight, I'm coming to bring you home. And that's the promise that he had for them. Okay. And that's exactly the same and we know that for us, that the Lord's going to send Jesus back for us and take us home. Okay. Ecclesiastes 5 and Psalms. I've got two to finish on, but just turn to Psalms 34 and verse 8. I've got two to finish on, but I'll, I'll just read them simultaneously. They kind of go hand in hand. And then this is it. I'll be finished for time. 34 and verse 8. So I'm just going to read Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10 first, and just a parable. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. And just this um, principle being, when you lust and you desire after things of the world, you will not be satisfied with the things of the world. It just doesn't work. There's nothing in the world that compares to what the Lord has to offer. And we'll read in verse uh, Psalm 34, verse 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Um, there's, there's no better way to get more blessing out of the Lord than just to involve yourself in the fellowship and the church as much as you can. Get to as many meetings, as many camps, as many prayer meetings, fellowships, outreaches, activities, all of it. Because at the end of the day, when we're all in heaven, it's going to be nothing but fellowship and praising the Lord. And just quickly, what I didn't go to Peter's workshop yesterday. I feel like I missed out. But for all those that did, um, I know we talked about birthright and inheritance. And this family unit, the church that God actually designed from the beginning, is our birthright and our inheritance to actually be a part of and to actually receive these blessings and to overcome the challenges of the world. And just the encouragement, if you're in a position where you're struggling or when you go through something, surround yourselves with like-minded people because that's where the blessing is. Amen.